Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today, I have a question that came to me from somebody in my church. And when I got it this morning, I knew that I needed a podcast on it because many people have this question and struggle with this, with this idea of, do you go straight to heaven when you die? Um, a lot of, a lot of people struggle with it because they've come from a background of either bad teaching, they just don't know, or heretical teaching like the Jehovah Witnesses or something of that nature. And then they're just ultimately confused. Okay. So the quick answer to that question, do you go straight into the presence of the Lord? Do you go straight to heaven when you die? The answer of that is yes. Absolutely. Um, we will get to scripture in a minute with the reasons of how we know this for sure. But first, I want to talk a little bit about where the confusion comes from. Okay. I'm not, I don't have, the, this podcast is not going to be a full breakdown of every single false teaching and every single argument against this. There's no possible way I could hit every single one uh, in this podcast. So I'm just going to have to summarize all the, the things that are said against this and the ideas that come against this. So note that I am summarizing these things. Okay, but the confusion generally comes from the Old Testament and not understanding the idea of Sheol or Abraham's bosom, Hades, whatever you want to call it. Okay, we, we read about this actually more in detail in the, in the New Testament. We have it in the Old Testament as well, but we read in detail about it uh, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. Okay, the, Jesus indicates that there's two sides of this place of the dead, which the Old Testament and in, in Old Testament knowledge of this, this is what would be known as Abraham's bosom, as I said, uh, the <clears throat> before the atoning death of Christ, this is where believers faithful to the Lord would go. And it's clearly separated by two sides. There's, there's a side that that's better and, and like paradise. It's not heaven, but it's paradise. It's not heaven because Christ had not come to earth and died and, and ascended. That had not occurred yet, but God still had a place for his faithful. Okay, and the other side of this was not pleasant. It was completely void of God. Okay, and we see that there was a lot of anguish there. You can read that. As I said in Luke chapter 16. So it, it, it wasn't quite hell, but it was not the final judgment. Like it was hot, but it wasn't like a fire hot. So that is where the confusion comes from. Because Jews in the Old Testament or believing Gentiles were died. When they died, they went to Sheol, Abraham's bosom. Unbelievers, wicked people in the Old Testament, when they died, they went to the other side. The Haiti, the bad side. Okay, so 
that is exactly still now where unbelievers go. So that's where the confusion lies. Okay, because final judgment, this is waiting for the consummation of all things. Final judgment, the lake of fire, the resurrection of the dead. This is yet to occur. So once, once this occurs, then people will be thrown into hell. Now when you die, you go to the place of the dead, which is not pleasant at all. Because the Lord's, the, the, the paradise side of it isn't there anymore. It's not, it, there's, there's no need for it because when Jesus died and he went down to preach to the spirits in prison and he took those with him, as we read in 1 Peter 3, that there's no need for the good side of it. So this is where the confusion comes from. They say, okay, so this, this still exists. So clearly there can be question as to where a believer goes because final judgment has not yet occurred and there's still this waiting place for final judgment that I want to mention again that is not pleasant. Okay, we see how not pleasant it is and, you know, exactly in Luke chapter 16. In verse 23, Jesus says, being in torment. Um, and, and, you know, when, when the rich man, he saw Abraham that was far off on the good side. So there was these, these both of these sides. So that's where just the existence of, of the place of the dead is what, con- is what confuses people. So that's where the, the confusion comes from. Okay, and, and like I said, many different false teachings have many different ways that they pick this apart. The most popular way is, is adding a comma after what Jesus says in Luke chapter 23 when he's speaking to the thief on the cross. Okay, is they, they try to say that it's a, a statement that Jesus makes rather than you going directly into the presence. And that's what's you know, very important about commas <laughs> in punctuation. Because if we don't, uh, you know, if we don't have those and we don't understand those correctly and we, we go back, I mean, it's clear that even, you know, the, in translation, it's different. But we can take all of, of Scripture and come to the conclusion that this is exactly what Jesus was saying is today that you will be with me in paradise. And, of course, Jesus knows that because he is, you know, they're on the, they're right before death here and this is right right time to be complete and so jesus knows that this this thief will go directly into the lord's presence along with him which he did um but we you know the reason why we we are sure on the other side of this is yes that's a good that's a good place to look for um on on the positive side of that that's a good verse that we go to um, in, in Luke 23, 43, when Jesus says today, you will be with me in paradise. Yes. It's a great verse, uh, to go to, to look at and, and get that. But we have plenty of other examples of that in scripture that we know for sure and how we know. 
we see all throughout the New Testament, I think Paul speaks of it the most out of all the all the authors of the New Testament. Paul probably references it more um, as opposed to, I mean, Jesus definitely did say uh, in the Gospels. I mean, we, we do see that difference there, obviously, is the verse that I just brought up. But I think uh, Paul probably out of anybody else has it because we see references in Second uh, Corinthians, Second Timothy, Philippians, uh, just to name a few. So, for instance, Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. Paul is speaking, obviously, to the Philippian believers here, knowing that his, his time is, is coming. But it's interesting what he says here in verse 21. For to, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Okay, so for Paul, to die is gain. If, if, die, if dying meant for us believers that we didn't go directly into the presence of the Lord, what would we have to gain? We're just waiting? For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And then in 22, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So he, if he is to be alive here, he's got work to do. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Verse 23, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart. So Paul's saying, I'd rather be dead. But then he says something else, and be with Christ, for that is far better. He, Paul says it right there in verse 23. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. So Philippians 1, 23 kind of just seals the deal. You don't really need much after that. Paul's expectation that when he dies, he departs to go be with Christ. So much so that he's like, dude, I'd rather be dead. Like, I know I got a lot of work to do here, but death is not a bad thing. Because if I die, if I get martyred, I go directly to be in the presence of Christ. Remember, he had already had a vision in 2 Corinthians 12 of heaven. Many people say, many, many theologians, and, and I, I agree with this to some extent, stay, say that in Acts chapter 14, when Paul was stoned in Lystra, that Paul actually died. And this could have been the 2 Corinthians chapter 12 vision that Paul had of going to heaven. I, I think there's some merit to that. I don't know if I completely am sold on that, but I, I, I really do agree that that could be the case. So regardless, I mean, even regardless, even if that wasn't the case, Paul got a vision of heaven and it was so meaningful to him or, or, or so amazing, not meaningful, but so amazing. 
to him. He didn't even have words, but he's like, yeah, I'd rather just be here. What, you mean you tell me I got to be back on Earth now after I just saw all these things? All right, I got work to do. Fruitful labor. I mean, he didn't have a bad attitude about it, and we shouldn't either. We shouldn't either. Uh, For us believers, if we are alive, we are alive for a reason, and that means fruitful labor for us. But that should not mean any sort of fear of death or, or any, any, you know, uh, frustration and, you know, the world or anything like that. Because obviously the worse things get for them, the better it is for us. And the closer we are to Christ, regardless, whether that be by rapture or whether that be by death first. Okay, but we have to understand as believers is that this is a gain. And yes, we go directly into the presence of Christ. So not only does, does Jesus say these words in Luke chapter 23, and when Jesus says it in Luke chapter 23, he says, truly I say to you, meaning listen to this, I'm telling you the truth. Jesus is the only person in the New Testament that uses this statement in the wording. In the original Greek, Jesus is the only person that uses this direct statement. Listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. Today, this day that we're both going to die, all three of us are going to die, you will be with me in paradise. Some people might ask, how can Jesus go directly to be in paradise in the presence of the Lord and still go and be and preach to the spirits in prison? Well, we remember that being, I mean, Jesus is Jesus, so he can be everywhere he wants to be whenever he wants to be. But the point is, is yes, he was absolutely in the presence of God. In the presence of God, able to go preach to the spirits in prison and bring them back. The faithful ones, not the not the evil ones that we we read about in First Peter. Okay, but another reference to this is Paul in Second Timothy chapter four, verse eighteen. He says, "The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed." Okay, all these bad, a lot of bad things were happening to Paul, but he had faith that the Lord would deliver him. And when he says by rescue me, he doesn't mean rescue me as in bad things aren't going to happen to me. It's just that he's going to get me out of it and he's going to get me through it and I'm going to be stronger because of it. But he says, goes on to say, rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so he's going to bring him safely into his heavenly kingdom. That's it, death. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6, So we, believers, always of good courage, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. At home in the body means alive. While we're alive, we are away from the Lord. So what what would that mean? When you die, you're in the presence of the Lord. 
Okay, Jesus went and gave this ability for believers to be able to go once they die, their spirits, because the Holy Spirit has made their soul alive and has allowed that transformation to be able to go directly into the presence of the Lord after death because death is now swallowed up and death is only rest. We are resting in the Lord. We are waiting for the resurrection of the dead, which we know will be the resurrection of our bodies, as Paul says. The spirit and the body will be reunited. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And also 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I mean, Paul's very specific in chapter 4 in verse 13, starting in verse 13, that uh, he will bring with him those who have died. Well, that's the spirit of believers. So the spirit comes and the body rises and at the rapture and we will be caught up to be in the Lord forever. So the body, you get a physical body at the rapture. Right now we know our spirit be, by work of the Holy Spirit through Christ from the Father that we, our spirits go directly into the presence of the Lord. So our soul, our human soul, spirit. I don't want to, I, I don't want to confuse people on that because that's a that's a very very confusing thing for people. Okay, but we know that every person has a soul. Unbeliever has a d dead soul that is only made alive by the Holy Spirit. So spirit and soul made alive. This is that makes you a believer and gives you this promise of eternal life. As to where an unbeliever has a dead soul that goes to the place of the dead if they are an unbeliever when they die. That has not been made alive by the Holy Spirit. So that's where the, the confusion lies in a lot of different, it's, it's a lot of different misunderstanding because it, 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 it's a misunderstanding of both heaven and hell. It's what hell actually is and what heaven actually is. Uh, we don't, we're, it's funny because we, I, I think a lot of us don't understand that, that we have heaven com uh, completely backwards and we have uh, hell completely backwards as well, but people don't realize the heaven part of it. So it's it's not as of no surprise to be con confused about this, and and it's easy to be confused uh, because it's one of those things that we have to take all of Scripture in context. And rarely in the church today do we do this, and throughout history we've lost this very common knowledge teaching. Uh, of these things but you know the heaven used to be something that you know we were looking forward to because heaven yes it's the presence of the lord but this can mean this can mean a variety of things <laughs> this can mean uh, the millennial kingdom this could mean the eternal state as well and i think that's that's what we 
we have in mind most of the time when we think, when we're thinking of the eternal state, the way that things will be forever. And we kind of skip over Revelation chapter 20. We don't really know what to do with that one, so we just go to to the forever part of it, and we just want to live for, for forever, which is fine. That's There's nothing wrong with that, but there that that does kind of skew our our understanding of of these things and actually our excitement about some of these things so it's it's again i i I couldn't uh in this particular podcast i can't answer every single argument that uh the false teachers have for these but just from a biblical standpoint, which is all that matters anyway, it just comes off of an incorrect understanding because we have so many references as we just read. You know, we just read in Second Corinthians, Second Timothy, Philippians, what Jesus says himself. Uh, we 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 constantly speak of, of joy in in these things. So. Uh, not to mention, I mean, the Psalms is full of these things. So it's it's not something that we only find in the New Testament. It's something that we can find uh, actually in the Old Testament as well because the Old Testament looked forward to the consummation of all things. The prophets weren't quite sure how these things were going to play out in full. We can tell even Daniel was concerned and confused the angel was like, don't worry, Daniel, it'll be, it'll work itself out. And uh, so we can see where, where these things, though, were in the Old Testament as well. But we see direct references in the New Testament. So, yes, we go directly to be in the presence of the Lord. And Jesus' atoning death on the cross is what gave believers people faithful to God, the ability to be able to go straight to the presence of the Lord when, when death occurs, uh, that being their, their spirit, not their physical body, but their spirit waiting to be reunited with a physical body. Now, our spirit is very, very alive and very, very well. I mean, not well. But uh, very, very, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, alive and well, I guess I would have to say. I, I guess maybe that is the correct statement because uh, we, we like to think of a, a spirit as something like, oh, okay, I won't have any conscience. No, it's you will have 100%. You will have more than 100% clarity on everything. And your spirit is a, a, a embodied spirit. It's, it's not a physical body, of course, but uh, we see this, you know, in Scripture. We see this in the Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit is a actual person of the Trinity, but it is not a human. It's not a body, but it is a absolute identity. So we see this possibility. You go, well, how, that, how can that be? How can I be a conscience? Well, look no further than the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit, who is God, is absolutely not 
Jesus, which is the flesh, the embodied God. But we still see this idea here of how that works. So, I think to summarize it, the question comes from a misunderstanding of Scripture, whether it be intentional, as we can tell. You know, I think when you, when you build false doctrines off of commas and words and these things like that, that's where, you know, it, it becomes harmful. Uh, the other side of it is just a misunderstanding. And as I said, I will post some, uh, I didn't get into it, but I will post on the YouTube side of it. If, if you go to the YouTube comments, you can see some of the reference links that I have. And these are just uh, basic things for you to go to, to read about, sources to read about, and to go and resource, research these things further. So we can be well-armed in, in Scripture and in knowledge, be Bereans, and uh, be waiting for our King. So hopefully that clears up a lot for, for some of you. If any of you have any questions, feel, feel free to send them. We will see you next time.